everybody. You are listening to Hotter Than Health, the podcast. This is a podcast focusing on fitness, nutrition, and an overall healthy lifestyle. My name is Eliza Gellman, and I am so happy to have you here with me for today's episode. This is episode 110 of the Hotter Than Health podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening in this week. I'm so excited for today's conversation. And as you can tell, we have definitely been getting more into storytelling and really getting into conversations that hit a little bit deeper, harder, and closer to home. I feel like that is the most beautiful way to connect with people. I think it's the deepest way to connect with people. And I just really think that it's been doing great. It seems like you guys really like that. And, you know, I just think whenever I listen to podcasts or I get into something, the the way I really relate to someone is by hearing their story. And even if their story is completely different from mine, you can always glean some sort of respect or some sort of even lesson from them or a way to relate it back to your own life. And I think that that is really impactful and that's how we form deeper connections. So super pumped about the way the podcast has been going lately and I'm excited to see where it goes. But let's get into some details. So I wanted to make sure that I mentioned we talk a lot in this podcast and I'll introduce our guest in a minute, but we talk a lot on this podcast about um diet culture. We talk a lot about negative thought patterns, weight loss. Like I said, dieting. We also talk about chronic dieting and we do talk about some eating disorders and um, we also just talk about setting goals and how we can lose weight without getting into this headspace of lack and of, you know, diminished self-confidence, things like that. And I wanted to make sure that people were aware of that. I like to say it in the beginning of every episode, just in case you do have any type of sensitivity towards these subjects. You know, I'm fully aware that these are sensitive topics for some people. So just be mindful if that is something that you are struggling with. But either way, I think it's a really thought-provoking conversation and it's very real. She's so relatable. She tells her story. And I do think that this is going to hit, um, not just not just even people in her demographic. So she's typically, you know, I'm 20 hold on, I'm 27 and she's older than I am and she's gone through 25 years of different dieting and different kind of challenges, but it was really nice to talk to someone who had a different perspective and grew up in a different time than I did. Um and a lot of our listeners are baby boomers and millennials things like that. So I know I'm a millennial, but if you are, you know, a little younger, then I really think that you should listen to this because this is someone's perspective who has seen, you know, TV dinners were just coming out when she was going through all of her dieting. She was really present when all of, you know, technology and social media and the internet and all these different things were becoming really popular. And so she has seen diet culture really evolve. So it's a really awesome perspective. And I was surprised at how intently I was really, really listening, taking notes and excited to hear more about what she had to say. I think you guys will too. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce our guest 
Um, so today we have Camille Martin. She's a registered dietitian. She's a public health writer and a former chronic dieter. She's dedicated to helping women quit dieting, set bigger and better goals, and reclaim their excitement for life and lose weight in the process. So Camille spent about 25 years of her life on a diet. She's super passionate about showing women how to break free from the downward dieting spiral and, you know, helping to improve their relationship with food, their overall destructive habits and negative thought patterns and she also just really wants to connect with women and make sure that they know that they don't have to be dominated um their entire livelihood doesn't have to be dominated by weight loss and lack so camille lives in charlotte north carolina with her two daughters and their rescue dogs and she's the owner of love to lose so make sure you guys check out her book it's on her website i'm gonna attach all of her website information on the show notes so make sure you check that out if you want to check out more of her information on instagram she's at camille underscore martin underscore rd so make sure you check that out Um, We also mentioned a couple times about working together. So if you guys are interested, I still am taking on a couple more clients this month for the um, Momentum program that I've been doing. So it's a 12-week program intensive. We go through um, personalized meal plans as well as setting intentions, setting goals, improving routines, structures day-to-day, and helping to really understand what you're putting in your body. It's definitely more plant-dominant. So if you're interested in a more plant-dominant lifestyle, but you kind of don't know where to start, then you know I'm working with a lot of people right now who have been working out a ton, but aren't seeing any results, um, working with really, really busy people who just want a healthier lifestyle. So If you're interested in that, make sure you just book a strategy call and we can talk about it, see if it's a good fit. If not, no biggie. But I definitely want to make sure you guys have value and have some clarity with whatever you're struggling with. All right, you guys. So let's get into it. We have today's amazing episode with Camille Martin. You guys are going to love her. Let's get into it. Uh, well, Camille, we're so happy to have you on Hotter Than Hell. How are you today? I'm awesome, and I'm so glad to be here. And um, I emailed this to you, but I love the name of your podcast. Oh, <laughs> Hotter Than Hell. That's really cute. So yeah, Thank I'm happy you. to be here. <laughs> we're so happy to have you. Um, and what I love about today's podcast topic is it, it actually flows really well. Last week, we had a topic going on about binge eating and disordered eating and diet culture, macro counting, all that good stuff. And we really got raw, real, had some amazing stories. Um, so if you guys haven't checked out that episode, make sure you do. It's phenomenal. And what I think it would be really beneficial for people to hear is your, you know, deep, dark secrets, like your whole story oh, yeah. behind, behind <laughs> the reason why you're in this field. And so tell us about how you grew up, where you grew up, what that environment was like. Okay. Um, and I mean, I could literally go on for hours and hours about this. So I'll try to keep it, um, sort of cliff notes version, but, um, yeah, I grew up in the South. I'm from Georgia and there was an intense focus on, you know, girls being sweet, being nice, being pretty. And, um, I got that message from a very young age 
um, that what I looked like was more important than anything. So at around the age of 12, I started dieting, which is really, really young. But, um, you know, nobody in my house, my mom was not saying, you know, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. My brother and I were allowed to eat pretty much whatever we wanted to eat. Um, so I didn't have really that, um, I didn't have healthy food habits, but I started learning how to eat to self-medicate when I was about 12, um, coinciding, of course, with all of the, you know, the changes in your hormones and in your social life and trying to figure out where you, where you fit in. So, of course, I developed lots of insecurities. And then um, I started just using food to fill that void. Um, so I started dieting when I was 12. And I actually did not stop until I was in my mid 20s, which um, it ended up being like almost 25 years that I dieted 20 at least. Um, so yeah, really growing up in the house I grew up in, I had a lot of structure. So my binge eating and emotional eating, I could keep kind of under wraps um, and keep it in control a little bit because I had a lot of structure. But when I went to college, um, the wheels came completely off the bus and there was a whole other you know, set of stressful um social influences and things like that. So my binge eating went to the extreme. Um, and I would, gosh, let's see, I mean, to be really down and dirty, I mean, I would, um, I wouldn't go to class, I would go out and drink too much with my friends, wake up, skip the classes. And I just felt awful about myself. So then I would binge eat to make myself feel better. And then I gained weight, I gained way more than the freshman 15. And the feeling of like, um, you know, I was always binge eating in high school, but I kept it under control and I kept my weight to a certain limit. Um, but then in college, it just completely went off the rails. And so I was drinking too much. I was binge eating. I developed an eating disorder. I was bulimic for a while, but my whole life just ultimately started centering around what I look like, how much I weighed, um, and if I deviated too far off course, I would go back to my extreme behaviors, trying not to eat, bulimia, um, taking diet pills, that kind of just craziness. And then I would lose the weight or I would diet extreme and exercise, over-exercise, and then I would get my weight back down. And then, you know, all this other craziness that was going on, I was filling another void with drinking and Anyway, so I just couldn't keep it under control. So then I moved to my own apartment when I graduated college, when I was in, um, I was 23, I think. And I moved to Atlanta and I had my own little apartment. It was so cute, but um, I was alone, you know? And I just was having, it, food was always just a way for me to make myself feel better. And I wasn't ever learning how to manage that. But what I was doing instead was internalizing all of this shame um, that I wasn't, I felt like I was out of control and I felt like I was a, um, lazy or weak willed person that just, I just couldn't get it under control. Like, why can't I just lose weight? What is wrong with me? Um, and then I finally started to just, I was doing more extreme behaviors, but at one point I remember like it was yesterday, I was sitting on my couch after work. I had been going to work and not eating all day long. I would drink diet Dr. Pepper all day long, no water, come home and try to work out, but I was too exhausted. And so then I would just sit down and, and eat. 
and I had a, like a freezer full of lean cuisines, which <laughs> that's, I never cooked. That's what I had in my fridge. So I would eat like four lean cuisines. It was out of control. So one day I was like, you know what? I just cannot do this for another second. Um, I was sobbing, sitting on my couch and I was like, you know what? I would rather deal with extra weight than put myself through this misery for another minute, which was huge for me because losing weight was like, if I could be the perfect weight and have the perfect body, that would be everything. So I was willing to sacrifice that just so I didn't have to continue with this misery. Um, so I said, you know what? I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not dieting. I'm not going to go out and run five miles tomorrow. I'm just going to wake up and just breathe and just say whatever comes my way next the next day i'm gonna eat what makes me feel good and if it's a bowl of ice cream i'm gonna eat it if i don't feel like working out i'm not gonna work out i'm gonna go on a walk if i feel like it and the craziest thing happened because i thought that by relaxing and just letting go of all of this controlling behavior i was gonna blow up like a house i mean i thought i was just gonna put on you know 30 pounds right off the right off the uh right out of the gate and the opposite happened. Um, the, all of that pressure that I took off of myself, I was so relaxed. I was so relieved to just not have this constant conversation in my head, this battle. Um, and I just totally took the pressure off myself. I started feeling sorry for myself. Like, why you've been so, you know, mean to yourself. And so just, um, it was just horrible the way I was living. So I ate whatever I wanted, but I, I didn't all of a sudden want to binge on a bag of Doritos. I didn't want to sit down with a bag of M&Ms and eat the whole thing. I didn't feel that urge. It lessened. I mean, I always, it'll always be with me probably, but now I know how to manage it. But the most important thing I learned is that I had to figure out, and I never would have figured this out if I continued in the cycle of shame, failure, and all of that, I learned that I trained myself to eat this way, that it wasn't because I was um, worthless and I, there was something wrong with me. I trained myself to eat emotionally. And that was a huge connection for me to make because then I could stop shaming myself. And then all of a sudden, like I was thinking, gosh, you know, maybe I'll um, train for a, a 5K. I started doing all these things simultaneously when I was taking the pressure off. I started setting goals that made me feel confident and inspired. Um, I ended up, I did a 5K, then I did a 10K, then a half marathon, and then I, I did a full marathon, which I never would have thought I could do. Yay! Yes, I'm I'm rambling. So stop me if you if you want to interject. But um, well, I want yeah. I want to hear. Okay, so we hear it all the time: intuitive eating and listen to your yeah. body and all these things. But when you've been dieting for 25 years, it's it is so ingrained, and we are so conditioned to think that healthy eating means eating a certain way and putting uh -huh. ourselves in a box. So uh -huh. when you've been doing that for 25 years, I talk to women every single day who are asking, you know, should I be more plant-based? Should I get more protein? Should I do X, Y, and Z? And, and, you know, something may work for me, something may not work for you. And, and you never know, but listening right. to your body is such it is obviously it's the most simple thing we can do, but it is mm -hmm. the hardest thing to make click for people. 
because I want to hear about that moment when you said, I'm not going to do this anymore, because to be honest with you, I feel like people would hear that and be like, oh, well then she didn't really have a problem or, or yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had a big problem. Yeah. And I think the stumbling block for people is that when you're focused and you're obsessive, like I just want to lose weight, if I could just lose weight, then my life would be fine and I could just keep going and then I'll listen to what my body wants. But that's keeping you from, you can't listen to what your body wants as long as you are shaming yourself. So it's a big leap. I feel like when you're, you're in the place of like failure and shame and feeling worthless to just say, okay, well, just start listening to your body because you're afraid. If I listen to my body, I'm just going to be eating a Domino's pizza for dinner, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for you to get to the point, once you really do start listening to your body, it does click. You have to practice it though, you know? Um, what are some things, yeah. what are some things that you have observed over the years of helping women um, intuitively eat and break that diet mold what are some practices and some mental exercises that you have recognized working for women who are so overly exhausted of Mm -hmm. dieting and not knowing and comparing and with social media now it's a it's tough but what are some mental exercises that you would recommend um let's see mental exercises the first thing that i would say to women is um is what you have to do is understand that your emotional eating comes from somewhere. Now I'm just talking to women who eat emotionally. I'm not talking to women who, you know, have it. They're very well balanced. They don't eat emotionally and they just want to do some minor tweaks here and there so that they can feel healthier or run a marathon or run faster or whatever. These are the women that I talk to are women who are using food to fill a void. Um, So what you have to do first is just, get to the source of why you started doing this. That way you can take the blame and the shame off of yourself. You know, like I know I had to dig deep and think about like what happened when I was 12 years old. I mean, you can't even start thinking about these things as long as you're dieting, failing, shaming. You have to sit. I mean, it takes lots of hours of, you know, going on a walk by yourself and thinking like for me, I remember growing up that my parents, my, they were very social. My dad's work, they had um, parties at our house all the time. And my brother and I were kind of just invisible. So I felt very isolated. I felt invisible. I felt alone. Um, not to bash my parents, it was my takeaway, but that made me feel better to go off into my room and bring a bunch of food and lock the door and sit and eat. So now that I can see, I was feeling this way. I was 12 I didn't know how to deal with it. I had to find a way to deal with it. So that would be first is to get to the source of your eating patterns. The next thing I would say is, and I always tell people this, it's not about what you eat. It's about the way that you eat it. It is about the food. It is of course about what you're putting in your body. But if you don't change the way that you eat, what you eat is really irrelevant. Um, I'm a vegetarian. I could put on, you know, 75 pounds this year, just being vegetarian. If I don't curb my binge eating behaviors, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I I really want women to stop, you know, obsessing about, you know, vitamin C calories, fat grams, carbs, stop all that, start changing how you eat, make some simple behavioral shifts. And that will help you change your mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and 
we hear, uh, there are a lot of women who listen to the podcast, obviously men listen as well. Hey dad. But, um, (laughs) but when you are, let's just say one of your clients is in their 25 to 35 year old range. And this person has been struggling for the past, you know, maybe five or so years with binge eating, but then maybe they get out of a tough relationship or Mm -hmm. they realize that, you know, their parents got divorced super young. And so they feel a sense of abandonment or, you know, this whole range of, of different emotional traumas that people have gone through. Do you recommend people going through therapy? Do you recommend people just like journaling, talking about it, or if you can't afford therapy? Cause Mm -hmm. you know, of course, if we could just snap our fingers and say, Oh, I have, you know, binge eating problems because you know, X, Y, and Z now I can fix it. You know, it's not always that easy. Right. No, it's not. And, um, it's funny because like, all the, not all the clients, but a lot of the clients that I meet with, I explain all of these things about figuring out the connections and that you have to go deeper and, and, and do all of that inner work. And everyone's like, yes, yes, I totally get that. And then it always circles back to, but just tell me what to eat or always. Yeah. Just tell me what to eat. And I always say, well, I could tell you what to eat and you might lose weight, but then you're going to go back to the same thing you were doing before I told you what to eat. But yeah, it's, and no one wants to hear, get your journal out. I mean, I, that's, it's hard for me to sit still. I always hear about meditation and I'm trying so hard to get on board with it. Journaling <laughs> is like so meditation. Hard. Journaling yeah. is like a meditation, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And I love journaling. I love writing things down. Um, but yeah, you, if you can get a therapist and you can afford that, um, I have a therapist. It's, it's tremendously helpful because a lot of the times you don't even know, you don't know what you don't know. And mm-hmm. it takes people at people who can ask you the questions like, you know, tell me about this. Do you think this is connected? So yes, therapy is great. Um, definitely journaling. And at the very least, just light a candle, get up, you know, 30 minutes early in the morning, sit and just think and just let your mind. Um, a lot of the times I get some really good connecting thoughts when I'm vacuuming or in the shower or driving down the road, you know, like um, use all of that time to start, you know, making your connections. But yeah. yeah. Um, and I love that. So when you're talking to people who are struggling with binge eating and um, mm-hmm. overeating or emotional eating in any sense, I hear a lot of people, and, and of course, I I can't read people's minds and I don't know exactly what their history is all the time, but there are a lot of times where people will describe their entire day to me and they'll break it down and they'll say, oh my God, I ate crazy today, blah, 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 blah. They say that they binge ate and all these things. I'm like, oh, well then what, what did you eat? And they Mm. said that they had, you know, a cookie after dinner and, you know, five Skittles or something small. And, and (laughs) of course my version of small is different from someone else's version of small, but how do you differentiate between emotional eating and, or being an emotional eater and Uh having eaten emotionally and and during a small period of time. So like if I'm hungover and I go eat five sub sandwiches, you know, that's not my norm, but, but I know my norm. In college, that was my norm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. Like, what are some, what are some things that you would notice in a, in someone that, Mm -hmm. um, cause maybe they, maybe they are 
so deep in it that they don't really know. Hello, everyone. Quick interruption to give a shout out to our show sponsor today, Aura Organics. You guys know I am obsessed with Aura. They are my favorite supplement brand. They have the most high quality ingredients. Everything is organic. Everything has been tested for heavy metals, so you don't have to worry about any issues with the quality. You can trust everything that you're consuming from them. I take their probiotics every single day. It's really helped me, especially if I'm traveling. I was out of, not out of town, but I was doing a little staycation with my boyfriend last weekend and I used to be so nervous about traveling, even just sleeping in a different bed. Um, And I just remember thinking, God, I'm not going to be able to go to the bathroom the next morning because I am out of my normal routine. I'm not in my safe space in my home environment where I normally need to be in order to have a good conference call. But since taking probiotics and switching to a more plant dominant lifestyle and just kind of being more intuitive with my eating, that's not an issue. So highly recommend their probiotic. They have it in a powder form and a pill form. So if you hate pills, definitely just throw some into your smoothie, into your oatmeal, into your water, wherever. I also really love their protein powder. And again, just supplementally. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of all these supplements, but if you are going to use it or if you already use a protein powder, y'all need to switch over to Aura Organics. We don't need to be eating like cookie dough batter, birthday cake, fucking whey protein. Throw it out. No way. Don't do it. Get it out of your kitchen and switch over to a more plant-based, holistic, complete protein Aura Organics is the shit. I am so impressed by them. And y'all are awesome. I see over 60 transactions. Every time we have an episode and we talk about them, they're like 60 or so transactions from you guys. And it is so exciting because it's like, I'll look at these numbers and they're a lot of the same ones or these names and they're the same ones over and over each month, which means that you guys are coming back for more so they can be trusted. I love them. You will love them. (sighs) Aura Organics, make sure you check them out. They're Website's the bomb and the discount <laughs> discount code, hello, the discount code is ElizaG15 for 15% off at checkout. Again, or organics, get the probiotics and the chocolate protein with ElizaG15. Now let's get back into today's episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I would make a distinction um, emotional between emotional eating and then a one-off like, oh gosh, I just want some Skittles and you're, you know, walking around in your day and you're a little bit stressed out and you mindless pick up some Skittles. Um, I think how you know the difference is that if you're an emotional eater, there's tremendous shame um, attached to the eating. Um, And there's more of a checkout for people who are eating emotionally. Like I just, it's not about the food. See, this is what I mean. Like you go sit down in front of the TV and you take all this food and you just want to go like this, like shovel it in without thinking. It's almost like a drug. Like you you had that zone out period and then you're like, oh my God, what did I just do? And now I feel like shit about myself and I'm a loser and I'm lazy and I have no willpower. But having a few, you know, my kids eat Skittles. I love some Skittles, you know, like just grab a few. Um, but yeah, there's probably not shame involved with someone who's just yeah. a little bit stressed and grabbing a few things. And yeah. really it's okay. Like this is what I want people to get is that it's it's okay to eat ice cream. It's not about the food. It's okay to eat ice cream. Your body will cleanse itself. Your body is built to heal itself. It can handle 
you know, some ice cream. It can handle some Skittles. Um, it's not super healthy, but you don't need to stress out and get bogged down in the what you're eating. You got to figure out like, am I, am I eating emotionally? Like, how am I, what am I doing? Like I'm getting a checkout. I'm getting um, some sort of a feel good. Like I'm looking forward to sitting down when there's no one in the room so I can turn on Netflix and scarf down a bag of chips. Everyone leave me alone. And now I feel better. And of course, then you feel worse. So does that yeah. make sense? Like, yeah, totally. Oh, see, I, I sometimes do that. I get very overwhelmed. and very introverted, which it, some people wouldn't think, but when yeah. I have the house to myself once in a while, I am so excited. Not that I, not that I, it's about the people. It's about right. me having time alone and, yeah. you know, eating on the couch, doing things that I definitely don't recommend to people all the time, but eating on the couch oh, yeah. and, and like having food on my chest, like I want a snack and then I want it to be ready. <laughs> Cause I'm, I know I'm going to finish it. So I'm going to fill yeah. up. So I have had a, those instances oh, yeah. and it, you know, I'm not proud of it. I don't feel good afterwards, but usually I'm like, okay, I'm going to go drink a bunch of water and go to bed and I'll feel better mm -hmm. in the morning. So I'm, yeah, that's okay. I think that's different, but I also, um, yeah. uh, with what we were kind of just touching on, you said it's in how you're eating. It's, I think that when we associate really high vibrational feelings and emotions towards our food experience, it makes it digest faster. So if you're like an Italian family, you see them laughing and sharing stories and passing yeah. bread and wine and right. all this stuff. And, and they're eating cheese and meat and wine and it's heavy, but there there's a lightness to it. So I think that when uh -huh. we're thinking about things like, like gratitude, so saying a small prayer before meal, not prayer to anyone specific, but just a moment of gratitude or excitement, pleasure, pleasure is a huge mm -hmm. part of our satiety. And then, um, I even think when we're saying it's also like you want, you want to eat food that you enjoy because when you're mm -hmm. thinking, when you're putting dread and shame or guilt or frustration or stress towards food, I notice like my most bloated times or my stomach aches come when I'm apprehensive or mm -hmm. when I'm not feeling confident or I, there's always something some emotion yes. and then I yes. associate a stomach ache. So that's yes. actually like so no, interesting. That's so true. And um some of these concepts are hard for people to get if you haven't been doing this for so long and like analyzing it and really processing it. But energy is huge. And so like one of my worst habits and I still struggle with it because I'm so busy is to make my lunch, sit in front of my laptop and continue working. And then like I'm eating and I'm not thinking about it. And all of a sudden my, and I'm eating too fast. Cause that's, I train myself to do that, you know, eat fast, clean your plate. So when I'm looking at a laptop, I'm not thinking about it. And then when it's over, I'm like, I don't even know what like I, I didn't even taste. taste it. It was no good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like your example of an Italian family having fun, sharing bread. You see, it's not about the food, but yeah, their food is being used. The energy that they're holding inside of them helps their food get processed better. You're going to use that energy or that. Yeah, for it's going to just be a better overall experience, which is not going to lend itself to shame and guilt and all of that. Um, yeah. So that's very different than when you're 
trying to go off. That was for me, like a big indicator going off and wanting to be alone to eat. And I don't think that's what you were saying. Like, you just want to be alone. Like, oh my God, I just want to be alone. And I'm an introvert too. So I totally get that. Um, and I'm surrounded by kids and dogs. Um, but when you are like, I used to lock myself in my parents' den and I would take all this, it was already shameful. I was trying to hide, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, go ahead. I'd like to hear your thoughts. And I know we're loosely touching on some of the questions that we wanted to talk about, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to hear about your experiences and the conversations, like just a deep dive into a conversation of someone that you're talking to, who is a mother, who is homeschooling, who is, you know, a wife trying to work similar to you right now. Yeah. Um, You know, so many women are and men, this is not just for women, but when women are in the house, maybe their kids aren't back in school yet, or, uh, they're working full time. They have to take care of the dog. They have to take care of themselves. And they're putting this pressure on themselves to work out early because that's the only time of day they have, but then they're cutting their sleep short, which can be troublesome. So can you talk a little bit about why, why diets are not the answer, especially when you're in a stressful state where we think, okay, I'm so, so busy. I just need like someone to tell me exactly what to eat at what time we think that that's the answer because we Mm -hmm. think it will make it a little bit easier on our life, quote unquote. And, and some, it's nice to have a grocery list and it's nice to have a plan and healthy recipes, Mm -hmm. but what is it like to be a mom who thinks they need to put themselves in a box, who's so busy and just wants, just wants someone to tell them what to do. Um, yeah. And you know, what is that like right now for people that you're working with? Um, well, first of all, this is like unprecedented being at home all the time. It's depressing. And, um, I, I'm an editor at the CDC and they keep talking about how there's another, a mental health pandemic coming on the heels. It's already here. I think it's oh, yeah. depressing. I mean, I haven't left my house hardly now. It's like, Oh, I gotta go to the grocery store. I don't feel like it's like just doing the bare minimum to get out of your house. Um, yeah. it's a struggle. And then I have just for me, I have two small children, they're homeschooling, um, preteens. And, um, now I'm a single mother. I just got divorced. Um, and that's a whole nother topic that, going through my divorce, as much as I know about all of this, it was so, it was horrible. And, um, I was drinking, like having some wine at the end of the night and having one too many. And then I wouldn't work out in the morning. So I gained weight and I was like, this is terrible, but I know how to, I know not to put pressure on myself. And, um, I mean, this is my business and I'm, yeah. I'm preaching it, but yes. Yeah, so what I would say to women who are saying, I just, first of all, losing weight is not going to make anything better. Knowing exactly what to eat is not going to help you in the long term. What I, this is one of my biggest, um, I guess one of my pieces of advice to women, um, is to start cooking a little bit. And I know that sounds like, Oh, great. The last thing I want to do is cook, but, um, I think a lot of women think I hate to cook. I don't like to cook. I hate being in the kitchen. I don't feel like it. And I feel like that sometimes too. But um, if you just get up, just give yourself 
either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, 10 or 15 minutes of just non-negotiable prep time. Just get in your kitchen, prep what's in the fridge, get some stuff chopped up, make your, try to get what your meal is going to be sort of teed up before it's time to eat it. Because, you know, who wants to chop up a bunch of shit for a salad when you've been, you know, all morning you're on the go and you're a total wreck. I mean, all you want to do is grab a piece of pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, so just plan a little bit. You don't need me or any other dietitian to give you the full plan that actually adds more stress, you know, like, Oh, you got to buy all of this stuff and cayenne pepper and you got to buy, you know, olives to put It's just too much, you know, give mm-hmm. yourself a break, do a little prepping and just experiment it, be in your kitchen and just sort of like make it a beautiful place to be. And if you can, you know, yeah. clean it up, you know, you, That's you a big be, one. yeah, get yourself organized. Um, that's and, a big one is like keeping your yeah. space super clean. I feel like clean mindset, yeah. clean everything and, you know, get your kids to help you <laughs> go do oh, that. Totally. Yeah. Y'all go, <laughs> go clean your mess up and <laughs> I'll clean the kitchen, but go clean your room. That would just make me happy, you know, for sure. Um, yeah. And you just touched on something that uh, you just touched on something that's huge right now. You said when you were going through your divorce in the middle of a freaking pandemic and all these different things going on that are out of your control, um, which, you know, I hope that it's a better sit fit for you to be out of that relationship. Oh my God. For you. A thousand percent. Yeah. Amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> and I am proud of you. But, um, <laughs> when you said that you were finding yourself having a glass of wine at the end of every night. Now this seems so innocent and it's not talked about enough. I was just talking to my, I was talking to someone the other day and she was like, I was out of control. It would start just by having a glass of wine every night after Mm -hmm. the kids went to bed. And it was just a thing that I did while I cleaned up the kitchen and X, Y, Z Mm-hmm. And then it ended up being two glasses and then it ended up being a bottle and then it ended up mm-hmm. being more. And yeah. she realized that it, she was not her highest self. She was, oh, um, yeah. she said that she stopped drinking because she was curious how she would feel if she did. And she said she's a better wife, a better mother, a better everything. So yes. when people are thinking about emotional eating, it's not just food. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's yeah how you're spending your time, emotional working out, emotional drinking. So what was, what is the experience like when you're emotional drinking? And, um, Oh, wow. This is such a good one because, um, my first disclaimer is I'm not talking about anyone who feels like that they seriously have their alcoholism is an issue. Um, absolutely. I'm talking about, I do think though it's, uh, I think in our culture, we're so, um, hell bent on saying, you don't have a problem and you do. I think there's a a middle ground where it is a problem that, um, well, first of all, back in August, I just decided this is not working for me. Um, I am not my highest self. My drinking is getting in the way of, I mean, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm lethargic. I feel like shit every morning. I'm exhausted. And then at the end of the day, all I wanted to do, it's so like, I just want to have a glass of wine. I'm just so exhausted. I'm done with this. Um, another thing for me too, is my children, my two daughters were asking me questions like, mommy, why do, why do mommies drink? Why do they, you know, why do mommies need their sippy cup? And I was like, you know what? 
Um, and this is just for me, but I was like, I'm creating two little drinkers here. Um, so I quit. I decided to quit. Um, mm-hmm. My life has become just a thousand percent better. And I think one of the things that was hard for me to say I'm going to quit is that I looked so forward to that. You know, now I can relax. I can't wait to have my glass of Chardonnay. And then, yeah, it feels good. It's fun. Hey, I'll have another one. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to clean up the kitchen. And then, you know, I'm going to have another one while I'm reading. And it was just like, I feel disgusting. I'm, I feel fat. I feel bloated. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to ditch it. And in fact, I, um, I had kept saying, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to only have one. I'm going to, you know, taper back. I'll only have Thursday through Sunday and all of these little, you know, little tiny rules that just, that's a diet. It's yeah, dying. exactly. It wasn't working. So I woke up in the middle of the night one night. Um, I had said, I think it was on a Sunday night. And I had said that night, I'm not going to drink on Sunday because I'm just going to get ready for a big week. And I, you know, my neighbor who's so fun, I, I moved out of my big house into a townhouse and I have the cutest neighbor and she's hilarious. And we would just go, you know, let's have a margarita. Woo, fun. And so we did, and we did it a lot. But that Sunday night, she was like, let's go get a margarita. And I was like, you know what? I'm so tired of working. I'm irritated. Yes, let's go get a margarita. And I was so pissed off at myself. I woke up in the middle of the night. I was like, what is the matter with you? Just, this, is, this is bullshit. So I got up in the middle of the night. I took the two, one open bottle of wine and one that was brand new. And I walked straight down to my dumpster and I smashed the whole thing into the, <laughs> into in the, the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. It was like three o'clock in the morning. Good for you. And so- was actually pulling it. And I'm like, I look like this crazy person. I'm in my pajamas and I got this wine. They're like, what the, what is she doing? What like she had just escaped the loony bin and she's like stealing a- people's wine. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. And, and yeah. what, what's so funny is, you know, you might have a glass of wine and you might have a drink and you might be looking forward to it, but after one or maybe even two, nothing good happens. And exactly. And and it's fine. Like I definitely drink and I've been talking about wanting to drink less because I find myself like, it's not like, oh, I'm making so much more money because I don't drink, but it sets me up for having more like 10 out of 10 days. And um Yeah, yeah. And and it I also think that we have to think of it in a way that's like do you need to completely isolate yourself in order to eat healthy or not drink or not mm-hmm. eat unhealthy foods? Um, mm-hmm. Does it mean you can never go out to eat again because your friends yeah, are gonna right. drink or your friends are going to have French fries and like you can't have a French fry? And so right. I, I'm glad to hear your story because that's very real and these things are happening. And I mean, we're not, nobody's talking about this, but suicide rates are up so high that it's, yes, they are. and, and you're, you said you are working for the CDC. Is that something you can talk about? Yeah. Um, they have, uh, three journals that one of them I edit for it's a chronic disease prevention journal. So wow. I, yeah. Um, I've worked with them since 2003 and it's amazing and I love it. Um, but yeah, I'm not like on the front lines of, you know, in a hazmat suit trying to eradicate polio or anything, but I do get a lot of information about obviously the pandemic. And the thing that my journal focuses most on is, um, you know, preventing chronic diseases. So COVID is not a chronic disease, but now we're getting all of these articles about 
how people are depressed, how people are feeling totally disconnected and it's affecting your health too. Um, cause mental health affects your physical health. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, so I just, I edit the articles that come in. So, well, um, so yeah, when, when you're dealing, I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's, I just, yeah. of course we could go into a whole new podcast yeah. talking about that. Yeah. We don't have to, but, um, well, tell us a little bit about your book. So you said you wrote a book and you mentioned in the book, it's not about the weight. Um, you know, you can have a glass of wine and think that you're going to feel better the same way you can lose four pounds and think you're going to feel better, which you may uh-huh. not, you know, it's about the right. what's going on from top to bottom. So can you talk uh-huh. about your book and what that was about? Yes, definitely. I do want to say one thing about the drinking is that um, it wasn't working for me as much because I have all of these goals that I'm really trying to achieve. And there's a lot of them plus a full-time job plus kids. So the alcohol was interfering with me doing all of that. It is totally awesome to have a glass of wine at the end of the day. It's awesome to go out and have a beer with your friends. So I'm not saying like drinking is bad. So I just want to make that clear. Um, What are before, before we get into your um, book, what are some of your big goals? And and we, we can, we can end by talking about your book. I want to switch gears. You, I saw on here one of your on your one sheet. It was saying, um, "How does setting a big goal help you lose mm. weight?" So mm-hmm. you're in the you're in it right now. So talk <laughs> yes. talk about that. Yes. Um, well, setting a big goal um, is just huge because we're so conditioned to have. First of all, our only goal is I need to lose weight. And we're not noticing that that's what we're doing. Like, I don't think any woman would say, well, I'm not, I don't like think all day about losing weight, but yes, you do. Like it's always in the back of your mind. It's our huge focus as women. And what we're doing to me is we're keeping ourselves locked in our houses. Um, So I'm 51 and I see mostly from um, ages, probably 35 to 55 is women who've had long enough to be on a diet that they are continuing in this destructive cycle. And so what that does is that it drains your confidence. And first of all, when you're dieting, all you're doing is focusing on what you look like. And if you don't like the way you look, which nobody really does, that is an intensely negative resistance filled state to be in. Um, And that's what pushes you to diet. It's desperation to look different. And when you keep snowballing and um, getting in that destructive cycle of, you know, diet, fail, whatever, lose weight, gain weight. Um, Yeah. When you feel that way after years of doing it, your self-confidence erodes. So if you set a goal that has nothing to do with what you look like or losing weight, you're all of a sudden shifting your focus off of what you look like. And all of a sudden it's like, getting a sense of like enthusiasm and joy. And it doesn't have to be, you know, run a marathon. It might be run a 5k. It might be, I want to learn how to speak a foreign language. And I'm just going to go to the Barnes and Noble and get a book on, you know, French 101 and then just start reading it. It makes you feel good. It's, I feel like women have lost this, um, we're losing our confidence. We're silencing ourselves because all we're doing is focusing on what we look like. And mm-hmm. you may have a job that may be successful in your career. No, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, and you have kids and your mom and you feel, you know, I feel really good. I love my life, but there's always this nagging thing. I just need to lose 10 pounds. You know, I was always waiting for me, like when I lose 10 pounds, then when I lose 10 pounds, 
I'll go on that trip or, you know, I'll go to the reunion or, and, and you never do those things. So setting setting a big goal and then breaking it down into baby steps and starting today doing one small thing, it just makes you feel good. And so that translates into your eating habits. You know, you're not sitting around thinking, okay, well today I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm not going to eat carbs. I'm going to eat. A, I mean, who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean, like, why are we doing this to ourselves? Yeah. And, so, and I, I think it, we, in a way, and this is just a personal preference and personal, something that I've noticed. I feel uh, like over the past year and a half, two years, three years that I've been so immersed in the fitness and nutrition industry. Um, I feel like I've gotten like harder, not physically, but just emotionally a little bit less, go with the flow. I've been a little more uh-huh. rigid. I feel like I'm yeah. like, lo- it makes me feel like I'm losing some of that like Venetian femininity. And uh-huh. I don't like that. And I feel like uh-huh. when I, when I am confident and maybe it's like ovulating, but when I'm confident and <laughs> yeah. um, unhappy, I just feel like I'm more graceful and I'm elegant mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. speak well and, and I want that. And so uh, whatever yeah. comes with that, um, And also when I talk to clients all the time, they say, I really, you know, I'd like to lose 25 to 30 pounds. And um, I ask them first, have you ever been at that weight? And maybe they'll say, yes, they'll say yes. And I'll say, how were you feeling at that weight? Mm -hmm. They'll say, I was feeling awesome because I was training for X, Y, and Z. And I had just started dating my boyfriend and it was summer. And so all these external things. So I'm like, you cannot lose this weight until you get to the mindset of where you want to be. And, you know, reality is, I always say it, reality is created twice first in our mind and then in our world. So it's, it's just, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I got to have so much to say. Well, so what you said earlier is that, um, where, how were you feeling? It is the feeling, the feeling that you feel inside comes out on the outside. So what you're looking at on your body is just a manifestation of what's going on inside. That's why dieting and hating the way you look and obsessing about, you know, cellulite on the back of my legs and a muffin top and all of this shit, it makes you feel horrible. And so Mm -hmm. that just keeps perpetuating and radiating outward. So when you set a big goal that makes you feel you know, enthusiastic. And I think a lot of women forget about their goals. You get yeah. wrapped up in a life where it's every day, it feels like Groundhog Day, you know, that movie yeah. was day in and day out. Um, and then you wake up and you're 40 or 50 or 60 and you're like, where, did, what happened? You know, like I had all these dreams and I, yeah. didn't, I didn't go after them, you know? And think about it. You right now, if in, in in my perspective, you are just starting your life. Like you already have kids and stuff, but you're single. You are high vibration, not drinking. <laughs> you have a thriving business. You're a registered dietitian, and you're working for the CDC, and you're starting all these different programs. Um, and clearly, you're snowballing into something that you have been like destined for. So it doesn't matter the age. You said you're 51. Mm-hmm. You could be 17 and know what you want, but the whole world is going to say, you have to go to college. You have to declare a major. You have to do X, Y, and Z. You just have to follow your good feelings and go yes. towards that. Um, it doesn't matter how old you are and you can no. always, always set a goal. Um, yes. Now, it's never too late. Okay. Go ahead. And I didn't say, I didn't answer your question about the book, but go ahead. What were you? I want to, so, so to wrap things up, tell us about your book. Where can we find yes. it? What's it about? 
Sure. Okay. It's called love to lose, love your life and watch the weight lose itself, which just is what I've been talking about. If you start loving your life and feeling good about yourself, the weight will start to eliminate itself little by little. It's not overnight. Um, but it came about because of my whole story about um, learning how dieting doesn't work. So it's really more of a hands-on manual about how dieting doesn't work and how changing your thoughts and your habits is what does work. Um, and then it's also about setting a big goal. I talk about how to set a big goal, how to start achieving it, how to find your voice as a woman um, or as a man, whatever. But um, it's really a hands-on manual that will help people shed this whole diet mentality and start learning that it's, it's, it's practical, but it's also a deeper message of you have more to give and more to offer this world. So yes, I want to help you lose weight. I want to teach you how to change your habits. But most of all, I want you to start loving your life and who you are. And all of those things will really start to stabilize and normalize. So that's, it's really my, my whole life journey is poured into this book. It's like my little baby. <laughs> um, where can people find it? Um, you can get it on my website, um, but I have a, uh, a little... I don't know what you call those links where you can just make your own link. Mail time. Sorry. Oh my God. They're so crazy. <laughs> so you can get it at love to lose book.com. So that's just love to T O lose book.com. I will absolutely put that in the show notes and thank I'm so you. excited to check it out. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. And I'm going to put all of this information in uh, the show notes with those details and make sure you guys okay. go and follow Camille. She's on Instagram at Camille underscore Martin underscore RD. Mm-hmm. Lots of helpful tips, definitely growing the audience super proud yeah. of you thank um, you I have to and, say too I just started it um I just got on TikTok and my kids are horrified but I'm really excited about TikTok now so <laughs> you can also find me on TikTok and I'm not going to dance I won't do that but you can see my sort of boring middle-aged woman videos but I'm excited about it so good and that's all that matters you stay excited <laughs> that's right oh uh, well thank you so much and we'll talk to you soon thank you Eliza bye bye